Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Laura Hanlon, founder and co-director of Pink Leopard, an e-commerce growth acceleration agency. Laura is driven and passionate about getting under the skin of e-commerce businesses and helping them grow to seven and eight figures. She loves sharing her knowledge for e-commerce and how to grow via paid ads and email marketing, and she's passionate about female-founded businesses being a female founder herself. On this episode, we talk about automating email flows, leveraging social media ads to grow your email lists, and much more. Here's our interview now. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Alex. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're extremely happy to have you. So first things first, why don't you tell me a bit about your company, Pink Leopard? Yeah, sure. So we're a growth acceleration agency working with e-commerce businesses. So we specialize in paid social, paid search, search, and email marketing. Our sweet spot really is working with female-founded businesses who have a predominantly female customer base. So that's sort of find ourselves mainly in the homeware apparel and and beauty space. Cool. That's amazing. So when I was doing a little research on you, you initially started Pink Leopard as a social media management firm, which I imagine will most likely inform a lot of your perspective on our conversation here today. Why did you decide to pivot and become a a more all-inclusive growth acceleration agency? Yeah. So started, I started as a freelancer doing social media management. And that's because, oh, that was about 10 years ago now when social media management was really the powerful way of growing um, businesses. You could post anything on Facebook and and get loads of sales, but Obviously, that that changed, um, and I then really pivoted into the paid media side of things. So predominantly meta advertising or Facebook and Instagram, as obviously it was then, um, because I found that really when I was talking to businesses and they wanted to to scale and grow, paid advertising was was the way that it was going to get them there, and not so much organic. Uh, well, solely organic. But then, sort of fast forward to growing Pink Leopard, we stumbled across. Many different things over the last couple of years, uh, mainly everything that happened with iOS, the Apple updates. And then that meant that focusing really on just meta advertising was quite a risky strategy for us and for our clients. And so we then, and we were always getting asked us, you know, whether we could help clients with other areas of their business with Google when it came to email, but we never really wanted to just sort of bolt that on and just say, yeah, sure, we do that. So we we really sort of regrouped and thought, actually, let's hire head of Google, hire head of email, um, and then we can you know, sort of help the businesses that we work with in all of these areas. And yeah, that was the kind of the best decision that we ever really did for the agency. That's amazing. So what I'm hearing you say is that just kind of that single channel marketing strategy wasn't really the best avenue. So what, why do you think that is? Why is single channel presence not really working well in marketing nowadays? Yeah. So first and foremost is I think that iOS sort of update really scared a lot of businesses. And to be honest, so I think it's really risky having all of your eggs in one basket as a as an e-commerce business and a lot of businesses did go under because they were they that's where all of their revenue was coming from was Facebook and then overnight that changed. So I'd say that's definitely the first thing. Um so diversifying your ad spend and risk. Also I think in marketing there's people need many multiple touch points to purchase. So having a that presence across social ads and across organic all the way through to email, um, you know, is hugely important in taking your customers from prospects all the way to um, to paying customers. Audiences hang out in different places as well. So 
we're really finding, you know, a, a TikTok audience is completely different to someone who may not be on social media and they actually find products by Googling organically. And then lastly, it's really just capturing people at different stages of the funnel. So social media ads is really a top of funnel play to to generate awareness. And then obviously you've got Google to, to capture that demand. They have completely different jobs. And then email marketing is obviously huge for retention, email and SMS. So they all have different jobs that work in harmony. So I really just feel now businesses need to need to be on different different platforms, definitely. I remember at my last job when I was looking at the marketing is you could almost see perfectly the split in the age gap with with these social media platforms. I mean, it, you could see it step by step that TikTok was more was better for a younger audience, YouTube for a young-ish audience, Instagram above that. I mean, it, it literally laddered up perfectly. You could see, okay, if we wanted to reach this age demographic, we would use this platform to say and do certain things. So I, I think you're spot on there. What do you define as what you call the full 360 degree growth wheel for e-commerce brands? So that's that includes most of the things I've mentioned. So really using social ads. So um, Facebook and Instagram, Pinterest and TikTok as, as that sort of acquisition channel. Google also acquisition. But as I said, it's more of a of capturing that demand. It's more of a warmer, okay. warmer audience. And then email and SMS increasing the, the lifetime value of your customer base. And that's that's so vital because as, as you're growing and scaling, you really need that 360 degree growth wheel because you need to if you have a solid email marketing piece in place, then you can afford to spend a bit more money on acquiring customers, which you need in order to grow and scale. And then obviously your returns are much, much better on that initial acquisition. So that's what I mean by the whole sort of 360 growth wheel. Great. Thank you for explaining that for me. So I imagine with that, you know, involving multiple marketing platforms and channels, there has to be more organization that comes with that. So how does a brand get their marketing system to work in tandem with itself? So I guess a lot of it is down to um, to where you put your budget. So the budget splits. So you definitely have to spend more of the budget on that top of funnel. A lot of the thing that we see businesses doing is spending most of their money most of their money on like the warmer audiences so google or retargeting and obviously that gets you your most bang for your buck which is great but that doesn't enable you to grow and scale so definitely looking at your entire funnel to see where drives the customers the initial customers and where converts that traffic that all comes down to attribution you've got to really look at your overall attributional piece to determine you know where that, that traffic is coming from and where you need to spend most of the budget so using things like google Analy- analytics using software such as triple whale to look at the attribution so yeah making sure that you have these softwares in place to to really ensure that you're that was a really bad answer. Sorry. No, not at all. That was perfect. So I actually kind of want to take that a little bit further because you're you mentioned targeting audience, correct? So you've seen the impact that targeted advertising can have in in reaching the right audience, right? So how can a small business or a big one for that matter that works with you make sure that that happens correctly? That they target the right audience. Exactly. Well, for social media ads, that's it's so powerful to be to, to be able to target the right audience. So you really got to get under the skin of your brand initially to to look at, you know, who your customer is and why they buy from you, why they don't buy from you, 
where they hang out, what their interests are. And then you can really utilize that data within meta ads predominantly, looking at their interests and being able to target those interests, but also using lookalike audiences. I know there's a lot of debate about whether lookalike audiences work well anymore um, post iOS because of the inability to gain as much data insight. But we still find that they are really powerful. And we also use um, something called offline conversions. So we often take the data from, from the stores and then upload that into, into Facebook, which provides not only really great insight and attributional analysis, but it also feeds Facebook that data to say, keep going after the same people, like keep going after our audience. This is who we want to target. Facebook is still, you know, one of the absolute sort of best in terms of being able to target your, your customers. You know, I can, in my head, probably credit that to being pretty first to market on that side of things. I think Google ads is probably the one B there. I don't know. Essentially what I'm trying to get to is that when that doesn't work, how can a brand then retarget to convert interested individuals? Because I don't know, let's say all this works and we got a good target audience or what we imagine to be a good target audience, but they're not really buying the way that we we would expect. So how do you try to retarget more effectively after that? So obviously we can retarget within um, and set up retargeting campaigns within the social channels, but we just, we find, and we're starting to actually, because again, sorry to keep harping on about iOS, but post iOS with um, people being being able to opt out of cookies and, and that kind of thing, that it's harder to track people and harder to follow them around the internet as you used to be able to. So what we find is really powerful is the email marketing the flows so once you get you know once you pay to get someone onto your website is then making sure that you have those automated email flows in place such as the browser abandon the cart abandonment the the welcome flow to to retarget and really because you really get the chance then to if someone's come onto your website and they've not bought for whatever reason maybe they need to learn a little bit more about your brand maybe they want to know a bit more of the backstory or the products and so that's where you've really got a chance to you know to showcase your business to these prospects and turn them into paying customers. And how effective is telling that story? I think when I'm being sold to a lot of times, I feel like I'm just being told what a product is and not really like what it does, or maybe even what it is to you, the person selling it to me versus what it is to me. You know, this is coffee that will keep you awake that you want in the morning and taste good. Doesn't all coffee is that to me. So like how important is that storytelling technique in say, the email advertising that is also a part of your business foundation a little bit. Yeah, it's huge. Um, it's, you know, and that's what, when I go back to the piece about getting under the skin of your brand from the very start, and we are copyright. So we have an in-house copywriter who that's, you know, her job is she lives and breathes copy because it is a really specialist area. So we could, we put something together, which is called the 5W avatar when we work with brands. And that's really getting in, in to the, the what your business does, the, you know, who you target, the why not. So then you come up with all the reasons they why, why they may not buy from you. And that's, um, you know, that's being able to then eke out the objections. So it's, you know, why do you not want to buy or why would you buy this coffee over another coffee? Or it might be because you're thinking, oh, well, that, that this coffee is more expensive than another coffee. And so maybe you'll then pull out customer reviews, which says, wow, this coffee is you know, really expensive, but it's worth the money because I'm trying to think of a really good selling point because it, you know, enables me to to focus for so much longer or mm -hmm. it's, yeah. So, so that's, um, you've really got to look at all of the reasons, the selling points and 
sell the sausage, not the sizzle. So the real benefits of the product, not just the kind of, you know, the features. So really, really, really vital when it comes to any element of your marketing, whether it is the social ads or whether it's email. And that's why, again, we work with the whole joined up approach because it's really important that you understand your customer and the the messaging and the brand tone of voice and everything is so consistent from when they first enter your business you know, enter your ecosystem all the way through to when they purchase from you. Wonderful. And just to kind of hit on email marketing a a little bit more, because it is kind of so important. It's part of your bread and butter. You're big on it, but automated email flows for e-commerce marketing is also extremely vital in your, your business philosophy. So why is email marketing being automated so valuable currently? So the automated email flows are because well, they make they make you money when you sleep. That they're also you know, yeah. Who doesn't want that? But also you know they're set up to as soon as somebody enters your ecosystem, as I said, as soon as the traffic hits your website and they enter a flow or they enter their email address into your pop up on your website. You know it's those touch points and the cadence of those touch points that are so so important. And so having those flows set up, as I said, the kind of four main flows being the welcome, abandoned cart, the browser abandoned and the win black flow are so vital at turning those prospects into into buying, purchasing customers. And you're kind of breaking down what I assume are are the six flows that drive the most revenue. Can you expand on that a little bit for me and our audience? Yeah, so... So email marketing kind of overall should generate around 35% of your email marketing. So I'm talking email total. So often for our clients, that can be that can be up to 50% of their total revenue comes from email. And then flow should be about half of that. So really a good sort of a good metric or KPI to focus on is around 17 to 20% of your revenue should come from your flows. And so when I say that, yeah, the, the four most revenue generating are the welcome flow. So when anyone enters your um, that email ecosystem because they've put their email into your pop-up that says 10% off and then they get this automated sort of four to six part email flow on the back of that, the welcome flow is so, that's arguably one of the highest generators of revenue for your business. Abandoned cart, obviously if somebody abandons the checkout. Browser abandonment because they come onto your website and they're browsing the product, but for whatever reason they they don't purchase. That's an email automation to get them to get them back. A win back is once they have purchased already from you, and then say it's you know maybe thirty days. It depends on your product and how long it takes for them to use your product. But say it may be thirty days if it's skincare, for example. You want them to use your product, and then you can send them another email to to sort of upsell them. They're the four main ones, but then you have so many other automations that you could do. And I'd say make sure that you get those four right and get the basics right before you start expanding out. But then you can have things like birthday flows, send people stuff on their birthday discounts to encourage them to buy. Everybody loves a birthday <laughs> a birthday code and product review automations as well. They're huge in getting your customers to leave a review on your site, which is, which is massive, but also they do also encourage purchases too. So that's why I'm, a, <laughs> I'm quite passionate about flows, as you can tell. I love it. And I'll be honest, I feel like I'm much more inclined to use a birthday code online versus having to get my car and drive somewhere to go in person and go through this whole, you know, show me your license song and dance to get a free um, ice cream cone versus just put in my birthday and get, you know, 25% off of, of some. Thing I was probably already going to buy to begin with. One thing that I've never really talked about with anyone, and maybe you can give me some insight on this. You can you can say this is a dumb question if I'm being totally honest, but um, how can automated email flows or email marketing in general 
both positively and negatively impact a business? Because I always hear about the plus side, and, and but I always when it comes to social media marketing, I always hear kind of the plus side and the negative side, but I never hear a downside to email marketing. So if there is one or multiple, what are they? Yeah, I'd say I'd say the definitely the negative side is is more how you use email marketing. So if you're not sticking to the kind of policies and rules and regulations and you're just uploading, you know, lists into your like Clavio account that you've purchased, then that's a you know, that's a major no-no. And I guess people are going to be pretty unhappy if they haven't subscribed to your list and they haven't said okay to you emailing them. Definitely that and making sure that you're sticking to to the policies and the guidelines but also not building a relationship with your your database your customers that's what email is is there for it's to to build a relationship because yes you want to increase the lifetime value of your customers but if you're just spamming and just sell 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 there's no story there's no personality then that can impact your brand that can harm your brand and if you're selling sending emails because we often get asked the question like how often should i send emails to my list but just sending emails to your to the entire database every single day or even every few days will without a, a strategy in place will really impact um, and have a negative negative impact on your business because that's one of the biggest advices that I've said that other people on the show have essentially said is that the best thing you could possibly do to ensure that you'll have a successful email marketing campaign is consistency people are expecting to see uh, an email from you on a Monday then you got to send them every single Monday or every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and, and move them forward. So I can imagine some of the negatives that come with that is if you set up these expectations for an audience and aren't fulfilling them, then people will paint that as the brand is that they aren't reliable or I won't get my stuff on time or something like that. So just to kind of bring it a little, a little full circle now, back to multi-channel marketing in tandem with an email list, one practice that you suggest is using social media ads to grow a brand's email list. So what are some of the best social media platforms, first off, that that work best for collecting emails? We predominantly use Facebook and Instagram ads to build email lists. So we use it alongside a full e-commerce conversion campaign within within meta ads. That's definitely first and foremost. We want people to buy from our clients from these e-commerce brands. But we also are finding it's we're finding a lot of success building lead form ads within Facebook. Well, A, we can send traffic to the website, making sure that they have a pop-up with you know a, an incentive that gets people to put their email address in and, and a second pop-up for SMS. But within Facebook ads, the lead form ads where you can sort of just have a really simple single landing page, if you've seen them on Facebook ads, put their details in, um, and then we can use Zapier to hook that into their Klaviyo accounts. We find that really, really powerful for, for growing email lists. And as long as you've got a really, a really good welcome flow off the back of it, then them working in tandem is beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. So I also wanted, wanted to ask, you've got your copywriter on staff, right? What is the difference that he, she, they has in writing copy for say an email that you guys are trying to market versus video on Instagram to try to market the exact same product? Are those two copies pretty different? Are those two techniques different if you're essentially trying to sell the same thing to the same target audience? 
It does depend. And, and it's the same when it comes to, say, SMS and email. SMS is obviously you, you're limited by a, a certain number of characters. And obviously, exactly. with, yeah, with video ads, you've got only a few seconds to, to make a good impression. So you can definitely, but we, we still always want to be short and concise. We want the main message to, to come across, whether that is in email. We don't write, you know, really, really long form copy within emails. It's still very short, sweet to the point because that's what that's what really impacts the the click through rates with email. The principles are the same. It's it's making sure that you persuasive, you get the main points, the main hooks, the angles, um, and you make sure that you get them to perform whatever call to action you want them to do. And so that is very similar, no matter what medium it is. But I'd say, yeah, more it's more the sort of length. You can afford to have a bit more copy within email and with longer form ads. We test short form ads longer form ads when it comes to sort of Facebook as well, because we often find that it really depends on the brand tone of voice. Some are short, short, sweet, short sentences. You know, you can't write more than five words in a sentence because that's against their brand brand guidelines. So yeah, there's a, there's a number of factors at play and it's just finding out what works for that brand, what performs for that brand when we start testing it too. And when you say five words or less in a sentence, that's against Meta's guidelines or the brand's guidelines? Can you... Yeah, the brand's guidelines. Okay. If they're quite a sort of a quirky... We've worked with, yeah, quirky brands who are like, we're, we're really... Five cool. words or less, like that is words. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we have to stick to brand guidelines, which makes it interesting. Uh-huh. I, I have heard a lot of people use the adage, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Not not like the audience is stupid, but the, the person saying that is like, do not overcomplicate this. It should not be, you know, if you're selling a cheeseburger, tell people it's a cheeseburger sometimes, you know, they, they don't need to be told this is the greatest cheeseburger ever. Just tell them what it is. And more often than not, they might even just buy it because they're trusting the straightforward approach and, and transparency. And I think that's pretty valuable. So kind of to stay on the, the Facebook train, what are some of the, the most common mistakes that people make when they're running ads on Facebook? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably, if I had to summarize, I was literally writing a post on this one earlier, actually, for my LinkedIn. But yeah, I'd say first and foremost is a lot of brands or whether it's agencies running the ads on behalf of the brand or it's the brand running themselves they not having a funnel in place so they literally just set up campaigns that for ads that go to absolutely everyone no matter what stage of the journey you're at whereas we break it down into top middle and bottom of funnel obviously an ad for a cold prospect someone who's never heard of you before cannot get the same message as somebody who's been on your website who knows the product yeah all of that side of things who that's the retargeting ad. So yeah, as I say, so many brands are just chucking the same sort of ad and the same messaging as they are for, for bottom of funnel. So that's a big, big no-no. And that's such a huge, a huge error because you've really got to think about where the customer is um, at a, whatever stage of the journey. Secondly, I spent, I say spending too much money. A lot of brands come to us and they're struggling to scale because they're spending a lot of money on the middle and bottom of funnel. If they are running a funnel, the middle and bottom, you're really going to struggle to scale if that's where all, where all of your money is going because you're not, while it's tempting to do so because so many brands focus on the return on ad spend, which I don't necessarily always agree with. Yes, it's a really important metric, but if you're just so hell bent on always focusing on that return on ad spend and not looking at your overall growth and the overall profitability, then you're going to struggle to grow and scale. It's really important to have a, most of your budget, at least 75% of your budget going to that top of funnel to constantly bring new people into your funnel. And the other I'd say is not testing enough creative and ads. Again, since 
well, I guess over the last sort of two years or definitely since iOS, there's been a huge need for really focusing on the brand, on the creatives, on the copy, on the ads. People are really gone are the days where you can just throw up a stock image or, you know, businesses saying, here, just use all the images from my website. Like now it's really, there's so much more of a, a strategy at play here when it comes to the creators and copy. So just see too many sort of bland attempts when it comes to copying creative. So I'd say they're the three sort of most important I'm seeing at the moment. It's interesting you bring that up because I was, you know, just thinking about the days where you'd hear a slogan, you'd see the logo, and that would be it. You you just were beaten to to death with the exact same slogan over and over was just like, eat fresh, eat fresh, eat fresh, or, or whatever. And now companies have to take a celebrity endorsement approach, a, a healthy approach. I mean, they have to kind of attack their pitch from five different angles instead of like, you've heard of us, buy us again, you know? And I think that, you know, my personal opinion, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is, you know, with the proliferation of e-commerce and the e-commerce industry is it is just so vastly more independent because I could have an idea, put some research in, get a business license, make a Shopify account and literally be in business in like a week. And I feel like it could not be any easier to start a business. Do you, I guess my question there is how has the ease of putting together a product and idea and, and putting it to market quickly and efficiently and more competitively, how has that impacted how things have to be marketed? Massively. Yeah, I feel like things are, because it's becoming harder on Facebook advertising, like there was a day where you could just, you know, it could be Joe blogs and his basement drop shipping and running Facebook ads and, you know, being really successful, um, you know, in doing so. Whereas now I feel like the game has completely changed. So while yes, I do feel like it's easy for e-commerce brands to pop up and you can still do drop shipping or, you know, you can source products yourself from China using things like Alibaba or whatever that may be. I do think that it's, easier to have a product but much harder to market it and much harder to actually make some of something of it so i do think those brands while they start up quicker they actually die a lot quicker than maybe that they did about five years ago but i actually had an e-commerce business myself which was um it was when print on demand was sort of huge and a, and a bit of a craze but i think you see a lot less print on demand businesses running now than you used to when it was a bit of a a bit of a fad. And like I say, you could run Facebook ads, a couple of images and you'd be flying. So yeah, I do think the game has changed. Most definitely. So before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about your company, Pink Leopard. So not only does Pink Leopard just, just sound cool, I literally picture a pink leopard, but pink is actually an acronym for your brand's business philosophy. Can you break that down and explain that to our audience for us real quick? Yeah, cool. So, well, Pink is actually, so Pink Leopard kind of came from uh, the fact that we are female founded, um, obviously, and we, we do work with a lot of female founded businesses. And also the fact that with Leopard, that was a bit of a play on words with changing how your business gets spotted um, because of obviously being oh, a I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but now, our, yeah, our philosophy philosophy around the, the Pink is P um, stands for personality. So that's very much, yeah, kind of what we do. That's our, our ethos. I is around um, individuality. So it comes down to 
thinking how our actions affect individuals. So that kind of comes from within the business, but also with our with our clients. N is for number one. So um, there's no point in doing things for our clients if we're not aiming to be the best. And that has always been a huge um, ethos of ours is that delivering a world-class experience for our clients all of the time with no, you know, no exceptions. And K is for killer results. So the huge thing, the reason that we, why we do this and we get out of bed is to get, you know, amazing results for our clients and to, to really make a difference to our clients' lives. And so that's ultimately, that's why we're here. Absolutely. And I think it's a really clever name, essentially. So before we wrap up, the very last question I always ask Laura is essentially with the e-commerce industry, most entrepreneurs and professionals are operating constantly. You are constantly on call and constantly moving and shaking. While I think it is extremely important to promote a healthy mental health lifestyle at the same time, what do you do with your free time, essentially, hobbies and interest-wise, maybe on a more personal level, to sustain a stress-free, stress-less lifestyle and create a little more stability in your life? Oh, good question. Yes, definitely not stress-free. So stress-less. Stress-less. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had, to, I had to pivot on that yeah. one myself. <laughs> well, the irony of a stress-less, because I don't even know if it is, but no, it is, is my... So I spend... Spending time with my daughter is um, kind of number one. So I actually have Fridays off to, to look after my daughter. She's two. Aww. So... And it does help me because I can't think of anything else apart from being present when I'm with her. So that's, um you know, that's a huge factor. And because I have Fridays off with her, it makes my the rest of my week so much more disciplined and then I'd say traveling even if it's sort of just one night off well ironically I've just said being with my daughter but it is nice to have a night off as well but being somewhere different in the UK and like being able to get out and explore um you know and go walking and things like that that really helps me switch off and also just yeah exercising I know everybody says the same thing with that but exercising sort of keeping healthy just keeping you know keeping my mind nice and and healthy is really important for me every day absolutely and sometimes you just need a total night off from everything that that includes being a mom every now and then as well so i totally respect it i totally get it well thank you for joining us laura really appreciate having you on the show and good luck to the future of pink leopard oh thanks so much thanks for having me alex it was great chatting to you I'd like to thank my guest, Laura Hanlon, for joining me on the show and come back on Thursday when I talk with Eric Youngstrom, the founder and CEO of OnRamp Funds, a purpose-built financing platform for e-commerce brands. For more information about Laura, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. To learn more about Pink Leopard, you can check out their website, pinkleopard.co.uk. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Pink Leopard UK or follow them on TikTok at Pink Leopard Agency. That's our show. Thanks for joining us and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until then. 